So today, I, um, I felt impressed to talk about something that is, uh, I believe is gonna speak to all of us. And uh, it's a breakaway from our character uh, studies, but it's about something that, um, that you can use in, in, in many areas of your life. You know, have you ever, have you ever looked on TV and, and found, uh, if you have ESPN or ESPN2, you may have run across the, the World Series of Poker. Have you, ever, have you ever seen that? Anybody ever seen the World Series of Poker? Yeah, you're afraid to raise your hand in church about poker, aren't you? Yeah. So uh, now, I don't, I don't play poker. I don't even know how to play poker. But what I love, and I've watched a few episodes when I catch it or, or online, and, and I, would, I would look at that and I would, I would just, I love to watch their faces. And because here you have, uh, you know, it starts off with uh, lots of people and they kind of whittles down as they win uh, to uh, two guys. And in one episode, they were like in this poker game for like, I don't know, 12, 14 hours. It's crazy. And they would make their moves and they would, because there's no shock, shot clock, they can, they can stare at each other for 20 or 30 minutes and they're watching for that, that twitch, you know, of the other person or, or, or sweat to kind of pour down from their forehead and, and, and they're, they're kind of making their move and strategizing and wondering what does that other person have in, in his hand because I know I have in my hand and I, I, I think I can... I could beat him, but I'm not sure, and I'm looking for a sign. And so this World Series of Poker, you have millions of dollars, I mean cash, sitting right there on the side of the table, like $18 million. I mean, that's a lot of money. And, and it's two guys, and it all depends on cards, right? And so finally, you have one guy with his chips, and he just makes a move. He says, you know what? He believes in what he has in the cards. And he just takes his chips and he pushes them in the middle and says, I'm all in. <laughs> and then the cards unfold, they flip over, and then we get to see if he was bluffed or he was bluffing or whatever. It's really, really fascinating. Now, I don't have time to watch 14 hours of it, but just kind of like the last five uh, or 10 minutes of it, just like, man, this is really, really cool. But, you know, so just like the, the game of poker in this World Series of Poker, you, you have this ability, you have the opportunity to sort of be all in on things in, um, in your life. And uh, we're going to be in the book of Acts uh, today. And in the book of Acts, um, we have where Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He was still on earth for about 40 days visited the disciples. Then uh, Jesus ascended up into heaven. We had the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came down and, and started to come in, in, in live inside people. And, uh, and once you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes. And uh, the, so your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit of God, the presence of God. And so then we had... Um, Peter and John, two of the disciples, they, they, they healed a lame man, and then they're brought before some um, Jewish leaders who basically arrested them. Now, the Roman government did not arrest them. It was actually the, uh, the teachers and the high priests who arrested them for teaching uh, about 
about Jesus. And uh, so let's look in here in verse seven of chapter four of Acts. And it says this, they, talking about the priests and the, and the rulers, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. So you basically have in this, you basically have power and purpose. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts, in this whole book of Acts, you have this, this purpose that Jesus gave to disciples and he, and he gave to you and me as well. And that's, that's this, you need to share the gospel to all the world, share the good news to all the world, every corner of the world, that's your job. He gave us one task. But I'm not gonna leave you alone to do that because I'm gonna give you power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I'm gonna give you the ability to do great, great things. Do you know this? If you are, if you are a born-again believer, if you have, you have asked Christ to be Lord and Savior of your life, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, and you have the ability to do great things. Well, Frank, I can't get up there and speak, or I can't heal people, or, or, or whatever. Listen, listen. There's many different gifts. Your gift is not any um, less or more important than my gift, and my gift, yours. Each of us have a certain calling and a certain gift. God gifted us in many different ways. And aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad for that, that God has gifted some people to look after babies and have a love for babies to look after nursery care while you're here in the service? Amen. Because some of you probably don't need to be messing with babies. But know this, we are all gifted in many different ways. So we have power and we have purpose. I love this, and if you go back to, um, uh, if you go back earlier to verse seven, they had Peter and John brought before them begin to question them, by what power or name did you do this? What power and what name did you do this? So they realize these men had something different. These men had something different about them. So they answered the question by saying, look, everything we do is through the power of Jesus. Look at verse, uh, in verse 13. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Can I tell you something? If there's one goal in life you, you should strive for is this. You want people to know that you're different and you're different because you have been with Jesus. 
There's no greater compliment than for others to think and to know, man, you must have been with Jesus. Well, how can I be with Jesus? Look, you could be with Jesus every day of your life. You can invite Jesus into your day. Just because you're, you're, you're saved and born again, if, if you are, and that's the case, and Jesus lives inside you, yes, but you've gotta have a continuous conversation with him. You've gotta hang out with him. So just having that prayer time and that, and, and that scripture time and spending time with Jesus, people should know, people should pick up on some things. So these unschooled men, We're speaking with power, courage, and conviction. And this happened all around the world, far-reaching places, and it continues to happen. There are people all over the world right now who are using the power of the Holy Spirit and the purpose of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ all around the world. But can I tell you something? Here in America, some things have changed. Some things have changed here in America. And it's all part of our culture. It's all part of our, our culture here. You know, many times, especially here in the South, you talk to people and you ask questions like, hey, where do you work, where, where, do, you, where do you live, and that kind of stuff, how many kids, are you married, and that kind of stuff. And then eventually you're gonna get the, the church question. So, where do you attend church? If you're talking to people, if you're trying to meet with people, and invite them to church, that's definitely a question you should ask. Where do you worship? Where do you attend church? Do you attend church? Well, yeah, yeah, we attend this church and that church. And, and then you get kind of answers like, well, we attend this church, but, but a friend said we should go to this church, so we kind of go to this church. And, you know, on, on, on the first and third week, we go to this church. And, on, you know, and, and other weeks, we kind of go to this church. And, you know, and sometimes we just kind of wake up and we spin the bottle, you know, and we go to whatever church and, you know, and that kind of deal. And, and sometimes we go to church and sometimes we don't. And it's all about, you know, going to, going to church. And it's all about this whole idea of where do you go to church? Where do you, where do you attend? But, you know, in the original church, the way God designed it, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. It, was, it wasn't about going to church. It was about being the church. It wasn't about going to church. It's about being the church. And I'm not saying you don't go to church, but it's about being the church. Look in verse 32 through 35. It says this. Here's a good example of being a church. All the believers were in one heart and mind. He's talking about the early, early church. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that they were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses, sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So the church wasn't about where you go. It's about who you are. We need to be the church 
not just sit down and attend a church and leave. You know, I see, I see this passage. I mean, you see where people share. It's like your, your possessions don't even belong to you in that mindset. They actually belong to your, your, your people, to, your, to the, your local fellowship. Yes, they attended church, but the only reason they, they attended those services together, they broke bread together, is because they were being the church. Attending church is just a, a result of being the church. And so, as, as I look at this passage, I keep thinking, man, this is, this is my family, this is my tribe. This is my people. I would do anything for them. I would do anything for these people. So there's a sense of these people of being all in. They've taken their their chips and they put them all in the middle. Say, look, we are all in this right here. We're all in. I don't know if you've ever heard of the, uh, it's called the Pareto Principle. Some people know, it as, know this as the 80-20 rule. Uh, the Pareto Principle is named after uh, Vilfredo Pareto, an Italian, who observed in 1906 that um, 80% of the land in Italy was owned by 20% of the population. Uh, it is a common rule of thumb in businesses, for example, that 80% of your sales come from 20% of your clients. So those 20% of those clients, you're always talking to them. You're always sending them, you know, some note cards or, you know, maybe even go visit them no matter where they're at in the United States. You're taking care of that 20%. You know why? Because they are 80% of your sales. It's amazing, it, it's, it's all throughout life. And many uh, psychologists and sociologists, they, they have taken this 80-20 this rule and you can actually put it in many areas of your life. And it's so true today. But I hate to say this, it's, it's, also, it's also a rule that has sort of seeped into the church. It's also a, a, a principle that has found its way into the church. He calls us to an all-in life of following him. And so when we have been touched by the love and the power of God, our response is to be all-in, 100% of us. But over time, 20% of people in the church do 80% of what is happening. And so even even here at at, at Lake Point Church, you ask any pastor, you ask any pastor, it's even all the churches around Bartow County and beyond, especially here in America, we have about 20% of the people who are are saying, you know what, man, I'm, I'm all in. And they're doing about 80% of that. Now, what is that 80% like? What am I talking about? So I'm talking about, you know, 80% of, 
of the, of, of the worship you know, attendance, 80% of serving, 80% you know, of, the, of the small groups, uh, 80% of the tithing, all of that, and I'm talking faithful tithing, 10%, all of that comes from 20% of the people. And I've heard that time and time again uh, as I've been on church staff before and, and everything. And, and so I, I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today to be all in, to break away from that 20%. Just being, us being just that 20% church doing 80% of the work. You say, well, Frank, if that's a principle, then how can we get away from that? Yes, I know of some churches that that 80-20 rule doesn't apply to them. It doesn't apply to them at all. I know some organizations that 80-20 rule does not apply to them because they have had this feeling that, man, this is family. This is my tribe. Everything I own doesn't really even belong to me because I have this this idea that it really belongs to everyone else. And I'm going to do everything I can towards a mission, towards a goal of what we're trying to do. That's to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Invite people to to church. Invite people to small group. Encourage people uh, to to take that step of faith and, and choose Christ as their Lord and Savior. That is the reason why we we're here today. And so we can break away from just being a church where 20% of the people take care of 80% of everything. But you know what's interesting? And I love how God has, has, has sort of designed this with the church. Do you know that those areas, those four areas that I mentioned of, of you know, faithful worship attendance, serving small groups, and tithing. When I say tithing, I don't, mean, I don't mean tipping. I mean tithing, 10%. So those four areas, um, when you and I become all in to those four areas, it benefits you. It benefits you. It does. It benefits, when I do that, it benefits me as well. When, when I am in attendance, of course, you say, well, you have to be in attendance. You're the pastor. Yes, you're right. Yes. But when you are here in attendance, you, you are uh, benefited by the fellowship of people, by opening God's word, by being inspired, by being encouraged. Maybe your toes stepped on a little bit. You get all of this kind of stuff, but it's all done in love. And you're, you, you benefit from being in a small group. When you're all in in a small group, you get involved in a small group, then, then you get to uh, learn about growing as a Christian, growing in your faith in circles, not in rows. We're doing rows right now. In circles, you can talk to one another. We're not going to have those kind of conversations, you know? And so when you're in a small group, you're, you're in a circle and you're better able to, to interact and, and, and learn from others. I love our small group. Our small group meets on Wednesday nights at 6.30. And I love it because we get to talk, we get to visit, and, and, and we get to learn from other couples. 
This past Wednesday, or not this past Wednesday, but the Wednesday before, uh, one of our small group leaders, he and I co-lead, and, and he was uh, sharing share with us some things that he and his wife are doing it, it, with finances, and I was like, man, I need to do that. I got my, my toes stepped on a little bit. I got my, my, my ribs bruised a little bit by my wife, and so through that, I, I was encouraged to say, you know what? I need to get my act together. Look at this guy, you know? And that's okay. We do it in love. You benefit. You benefit when you serve. When you serve God, whether you hold the door, you shake hands, you, 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 you are running the, the video equipment, the sound equipment, you're on the stage, you're uh, working with kids, babies, whatever it is you're serving, you benefit from that because you're giving to the Lord You feel good about it. Your fellowship with the other believers, you get to know other people, and it's fun. I walked in this morning. I mean, I'm usually not the first one here. There are people already here. I walked in this morning. We had ladies mopping this floor and sweeping this floor, trying to get all these marks up from the the kids who have lunch here during the week. And, And so what they, you know, they're cleaning the bathrooms. They're doing all kinds of stuff. They're here even before I get here. I go up to them and I just say, thank you so much. And so serving. And then the last is giving. Giving to the Lord. It benefits you. It does. I can tell you stories after stories of people who, who have been blessed by, by just giving faithfully to the Lord a tithe, a 10%. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But you know, I'm gonna say this, and, and, and I, don't, I don't make it a point to, you know, every, you know to, to go in and see, all right, who's giving what and all that kind of stuff. But as a, as a general overall kind of 80,000, 60,000 view uh, up, I, I can kind of see the finances. And I, as I'm looking at it, I'm, I'm seeing that there are people who are really taking this tithing thing serious. Because you're, you're given that 10%. Now, I don't know what 10% is to you, but I can sense that, you know what? I think, I think God's dealing with, with people's hearts. And so I honestly pray for you. I, I can't pray for you individually. I, I, I don't know all the, all, you know all the people who are doing that, but as, as a whole, I, I just pray for our church. To God bless the people, bless those who are making a sacrifice to give to your kingdom, to your work. Bless them, teach them. Teach them, um, give them wisdom, give them discipline to, to manage your finances. Bless them, give them favor. When, when there's a new promotion, give them favor. When they're looking for a job, help their resume rise to the top, whatever it is. Help them, bless them. And so when you and I take our chips and we push them in the middle and we say we are all in, it's those main four areas that that looks like. And I just wanna, I wanna encourage you to be all in and it benefits you because you are the church. And when it benefits you, obviously it benefits the church as a whole. Now there's many different examples of people who are all in. I can share with you who uh, people who have shared with me, you know, Frank, I, I just feel like I, we're going to 
we're gonna take this tithing thing seriously and they share with me stories of how they made sacrifices and they're given 10% and God has, has really stepped in and showed them, showed them his power and his ability in their life and, and has blessed them. I can show you examples where people have grown in their small group. Yeah, it's a sacrifice, but man, what I'm learning in our small group, I just feel some connection. I feel friends here. People who, have, their lives have been changed coming here and serving Walking out of the bathroom, you know, with toilet, you know, cleaning supplies and just saying, I'm just so blessed. And I'm like, bless you. You know, that's awesome. But I'm going to share with you a story today about someone who's in our church and someone who is all in when it comes to worship attendance, being here on Sundays. Now, is this person is like, well, on this Sunday, church, Sunday I'll go to this church and that church. This person does everything they can to be here every Sunday morning. Now, there are many of you who I see every Sunday morning. You get kids ready, you 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 know, you make sacrifices, you're you're here, you're 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 and, and we, don't, I mean, we don't have a roll check thing where, okay, who's here and that kind of I mean, obviously, we, we try to keep track of, okay, maybe you haven't seen them in a while. We should call them, that kind of stuff. So you get a text from me, probably because you weren't here that Sunday. So the people that aren't here today, you know, if I notice that, I'll, I'll send them a text, you know, that kind of stuff. Why? Not to put a guilt trip, but to say, hey, I love you and I miss you today. But there's one guy here today who who is someone who's an amazing inspiration to our church. He's fairly new to our church, been here for a few months, and his name is Gil Everett. Gil sits on the back row. Gil, raise your hand. Gil sits on the back row. We have no way to provide someone in a wheelchair to get to our worship center. We don't own this building. I can't wait till the day when we do, by golly. But we, uh, we do know that um, the people who do own this building are working on something. We have made them aware of, of this. It breaks my heart every week that we don't have that, but it's kind of out of our hands. But in the process, we have watched a gentleman roll in a wheelchair to our church, get out of his wheelchair, climb stairs, and sit in our church every week. Brother, you're all in. I don't know if I would do it. I'm just being honest. I wouldn't do that. But Gil is an example of someone who's all in. You wanna look someone who's all in, you look no further than this guy. So are there people in our church who are all in? Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of people in our church, they're all in. And I love it. I love that. 
And so I just want to encourage you as your pastor and as your friend, because it, it's only going to benefit you. Of course, it'll eventually benefit the bride of Christ as a whole. But just be all in. Take your chips and move them in the middle because, you know, your cards, I mean, your cards are the best on the table as long as Jesus Christ is living in your life and he is Lord of your life. Bring them to the middle of the table. You know, God's not asking you to do something that he hasn't done already. He recognized the sin in your life. He recognized the sin in my life. And, and because of that, he is all in by sending his son Jesus to this earth as a sacrifice. So you and I would not have to take the sting of death, eternal death. He took it for us. God is all in with you. For him to send his one and only son. Uh, I can I send one of my kids to die for you. You just have to go to hell. But, but God's love is so great, that's what he did. You know, Jesus would not ask you to do something that he himself wouldn't do. Jesus is all in. He left heaven's throne, came down to earth, lived a sinless life, laid down his life. Well, you say, well, he was crucified by Romans. He laid down his life, y'all. You read the story. He laid down his life freely. He is all in. Just like Gil who climbed stairs, Jesus climbed that hill to the cross and carried that cross for you and for me. Jesus is all in. He took his chips and he moved them in the middle. He said, I'm all in. Why? Because I love this person. I love John. I love Mary. I love Jackson. I love whatever. You know, whatever your name is. I love this person. I'm all in. I'm all in. So Jesus hung on the cross as a, as a testimony of him saying, I know you can't do this, but I can. I'm the only one who can. And I'm all in with your life. And so, as we sort of wind this down, because God is all in, because Jesus is all in, our response should be a life where we are all in to what God is doing. This is our church, this is our family, this is our tribe. So be all in, be all in. Um, just at this moment, just every head bowed, every eye closed. Um, if you're sitting here today and you have not truly really accepted Christ as Savior, you just wanna do that right now. It's, it's very simple. You just say a simple prayer that says something like this. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the things I've done. Please forgive me my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that, that you have forgiven me already. I confess my sin to you. And I ask you to come into my life and be Lord of 
my life. It's all it takes. And so if that is you, I want to make sure that you just simply say that prayer and that you let us know at Connection Point if you accepted Christ as Savior. If you accepted him as Lord and Savior of your life. Okay, if you look up here at this time, Jesus proved that he was all in. And at his last meal, we see this with his disciples in Matthew chapter 26. It says this, while they were eating with his disciples, Jesus took bread and we had given thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And so Jesus showed us he was all in. And so we get the opportunity to remember the sacrifice that he did for us. We get the opportunity to say, thank you, Jesus, for being all in. Thank you, Jesus. So we're gonna observe communion here today. And so what that looks like, we, we've done it this way before. There's a couple of tables and there'll be some hosts. And if, if our hosts can go ahead and come on up uh, to that, we've got a couple of elders and their wives who are gonna come up and be our hosts for these tables. But there's a piece of bread. So you come up here, you take a piece of bread and you just dip it in the juice and then you, um, you go ahead and partake it. And, um, and some of you may wanna do that as families. I would encourage you to do that as couples, whatever. But just take that moment to just say, thank you, Jesus, for, for being all in my life. And I wanna be all in for you.